You're listening to And hey, you're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 58. We are now out of APA Heritage Month. Congratulations, we all made it. Oh, out of the dregs, out of the messy, nasty swamp we are. Yeah, it's now another community's turn um, to do whatever they do on their month. What's June? June is Pride, right? June is it's Pride, Pride Month, Marvin. Yeah, yeah so it, it, it still might actually have Asians in it. <laughs> <laughs> we are here today to complete our rewatch of the Fast and the Furious franchise. On this episode, we're recapping Fast and the Furious 5 through 8, which, geez, what happened to this franchise? <laughs> I would like to state for the record one more time that I petitioned to have one episode per movie and I was um, very harshly vetoed. So, yes. Hey, there's a good reason for that because I would have had to watch the ninth movie before we were even done. That's so, true. Yeah, for work. Ninth and now you guys are month, too. Right? Yes. Uh, yes. It's coming yes. out the 25th wide release. Very excited. It's been delayed like two years. I think it was originally going to come out April 2020. Yeah. Joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, uh, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew. Hey, Jess. Hey, what's up? How are you doing on the I'm, other side? I'm so glad it's over, but now it's like, oh, I have so much regular work to do still for that all the shit I like helped pushed out of May to account for all the May programming and now it's like oh yeah now go do your regular job real job it does suck because I used to be in this space too um, working full time at a professional Asian organization and like the the APA Heritage Month stuff is always on top of your regular shit I'm sure it's the same way for you mm-hmm. Han uh, when like doing like pitches and stuff it's like we're expected to do our normal jobs plus now all this Asian stuff Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm probably not as bad as for you. Um, it just meant that of my freelance pitches, I did accept more Asian ones than usual, which is actually not that many more than usual because I almost always have Asian ones. Uh, but it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, very aware of the optics of everything, you know, yeah. that we had right. on our site. Of course, also joining us is professional culture editor Han Nguyen. Hey, Han. Hello. Hi. Happy June. June, who knew? Half the year's almost done, guys. Can you believe it? I cannot, actually. I'm actively in denial right now. It will will soon be bright at 9 (laughs) p.m. Oh, that's great. I mean, I love the extra sunlight hours, but I don't like the heat. It's getting hot, and she's a sweaty gal. The folds Mm -hmm. are sticking. Yeah, The (laughs) not-sexy folds are sticking. Well, before we get to our recap of The Fast and the Furious, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? So I have been oscillating between two games. One is Pokemon Snap, of course, the reboot of the Nintendo 64 classic. It's really hard, guys. Like, I can't get Pikachu to the sun disc to ride it as a surfboard on the Blushing Beach stage. Like, I've looked at the tutorials and he just won't follow the apples. He just won't. Um, so when I get too stressed out from Pokemon Snap, I switch to this game that I just downloaded called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. <laughs> what? And it's you play as a little turnip. And you are committing tax fraud or tax evasion. I guess tax evasion is a form of tax fraud. 
and you basically go around doing tasks and there's like a mayor who's an onion who yeah i think he's an onion it's like very like cute pixely graphics but the onion mayor onion is like oh i've seized your property because you did not pay your taxes so to get your property back you had to do all this shady shit for me so you go around this vegetable village everyone's a vegetable of a fruit and you like do tasks and you just rip up tax documents because you don't want to leave a paper trail yeah it's really fun it's very like um i guess it's the right word acidic like the tone is just very acidic like the very first thing you do is you steal a watering can from an old lemon man like he's a lemon who's old and then when you talk to the old lemon man he's like oh have you seen my watering can i can't my eyes aren't good and that's the only thing i have left to remember my late wife and you do not give the watering can back mm-hmm. and the rest of the game is that tone <laughs> but it's really cute and i love you know <laughs> fuck capitalism it sounds like it's uh it sounds like it has some good comedy then yes it's very funny it's i feel a little bad sometimes like one of the early tasks you do is you have to help a blueberry give a love like a flower to his crush the strawberry and the strawberry gives you like a love letter to like give back to the blueberry but there's no option to give it back you just have to rip it up in front of her (gasps) and then she's like well that was rude i'm like yeah that was sorry i literally have no other option but to rip this piece of paper in front of you. You just Aww. shred a lot of documents. You shred a lot of documents. So when I feel too bad about tax evasion, I go back to playing Pokemon Snap. And that has been the, my that was my long weekend. I've never played a Pokemon Snap. It always seemed kind of boring to me. It's you take photos. Are you a good okay, here's the thing. Are you a good Instagram husband, boyfriend? I mean to, I'm to to your boo? Do you take good pictures of her? I do. Do you? Does she say, wow, that's a really good picture, honey? Well, she, or do you just no, thank you? Usually it's ticket again, but yeah. Well, that means you're not a good Instagram <laughs> husband. Marvin, if you're a good Instagram husband, you'd be getting them shots. You'd be giving her options. So um, my boyfriend is also not a great Instagram husband. Love him a lot, but you know, we all have our flaws. I've also heard that the more a person loves you, the worse an, an Instagram husband they are because they don't see the flaws, the very obvious flaws, <laughs> like bad lighting or like being washed out. But whatever, I digress. Um, so it's like I kind of finally empathize with that stress because, you know, it's really hard to get some of those shots. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got a good balance between a relaxing photography and tax evasion. It's not relaxing, but yes. <laughs> Bahan, what's popping with you? Well, um, Marvin graciously accepted my proposal that we share the same what's popping. So uh, because I kind of do, I think I just watched Fast and the Furious this long weekend. And then I read some books that weren't that great. And so yeah. I didn't want to shout out those. Yeah. For so the instead, sake of saving some time for our Fast and the Furious recap, let's, <laughs> yes. let's share one today. But um, yeah, what's popping with us, Han? What's popping with us is uh, the book Dial A for Aunties um, by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a madcap. Well, it's not a murder mystery, but it's a madcap. Here's here's the thing. Let me just tell you that I read this book without reading the description. (laughs) And so I was actually a little bit surprised. So I'm going to give you the warning ahead of time. That if you know anything about like Weekend at Bernie's, 
it is something similar to that. So it is a corpse style comedy. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you can set up how, how this corpse comes to be. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the basic pitch uh, or the, the basic story is um, this woman named Madeline Chan lives with her four aunties and they all work at the same um, wedding planning company together. And she goes, she gets put on this blind date as one does um, as a, you know, 20 something Asian woman living with all aunties and ends up killing her date. Accidental. <laughs> accidentally killing not like premeditated killing um and so she's you know so she has a corpse and then what do you do when you have four meddling aunties who actually were responsible for putting you on this blind date you know you you gotta get them to help you yeah well the catch is this body ends up going with the family to the resort where they're planning a wedding so it's basically getting through the weekend while hiding this dead body and trying to get away with it. So it's not... I agree. When I first heard about this concept, I thought it, it would be kind of like a murder mystery type of thing. It's like, oh, how did this person die? No, but, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's more of a how do they hide it? How do they get away with it? And, of course, the, uh, the chemistry of all four aunties. One of them is actually her mom. But they all have a curious dynamic. She actually has a pretty big forward talking about how she, you know drew inspirations from her own family to create the characters. Uh, you think and she's it's, killed somebody? <laughs> she also went into how she killed story, someone. But <laughs> the, yeah, the stories, it's really fun. It's like Ponset, very madcap, very like a lot of hijinks. And I'm really excited because this book actually got optioned as a, a movie, right? Or TV series or movie? I forgot. Um, it's a Netflix, so I think it's probably a movie. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Um, I do have one trigger warning for all um, Asian <laughs> and Asian American kids. And that is the don't go into the story expecting any catharsis with the aunties. You will not get it. Because you know what? In real life, you have to kind of learn to deal with your family and your <laughs> all your crazy aunties and um, and learn to love them as they are. Uh, so, yeah, there's I, I found it very entertaining. I have. Um, I, well, four aunties, but like my mom and then her three sisters. And they don't have that exact same dynamic. They're not as <laughs> quite as loud and um, and confident. But they do have those little in-jokes uh, to the point where they can even speak a certain um, dialect where no one around them can understand it, including like other people. Like my dad couldn't understand my mom when she was speaking in that particular dialect um, with her sisters. So it, it's just... That sort of like weird, tight dynamic was really interesting to me. Um, yeah. yeah, I, And then and just dealing with like how <laughs> they're bad with technology. Yeah. And like these aunties are like very, very meddling to the point where it's like, you know how you've always wanted, like, I don't know if you, you two have had this experience, but you know how you always wanted to, to talk back at your parents and like put, take them to the task for all the mental trauma that they've inflicted on you over the years? That never happens in this book, and I wanted it to happen so bad. So it's, it was actually a little stressful for me because she spends the whole entire, whole entire book gathering this stress, and there's no release. Oh, I'm like a shitty American whitewashed daughter, so I definitely talk back. <laughs> to my aunties, too, which is like a bigger no-no because it's like one thing inside the house. But like, you know, to do it like in front of like relatives, like, you know, lose the face. But I, you know, I never... I never hit first. I just finished the job if they attack. <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm no. not invited to family like functions anymore, though. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's no way I can do that. Like, even when I was a kid, 
If I answered my mom's question, she'd be like, don't talk back to me. I'm like, you just asked me a question. So yeah, there's none of that going on in my family, (laughs) including, and especially not with like ants or any outsiders. It's like, that's even worse. And in the Um, end, I guess that makes the story a lot more authentic, right? Because we learn mm -hmm. to just accept that there are just some things that we can't change about our families and we we just have to live with it. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, there is a very tiny little romance in there too. Um, so don't think it's a rom-com, which is why we didn't mention it up top. <laughs> because if you think it's a rom-com, it is not. Yeah. It uh, was kind of positioned in that way. Um, mm-hmm. and then hearing after you guys were talking about it, I'm like, does, I hope homie's like not in love with this corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to love the corpse, right? Um, but yeah, so yeah. but or like uh, a sexy ghost story because I've read an entire series of that, like yes. horny sexy ghost story. Yeah, uh, you know what? That should be the next one. But um, uh, that's this is actually why I want to see it in the flesh because I think um, hearing that dialogue and hearing the sniping, but then also seeing like the sexy, you know, love interest and and the, this whole wedding that they're putting on, it, I think will be fantastic to see. Um, an experience whereas reading it i definitely was feeling a lot of like palpitations and, and anxiety yeah check it out it's all a for aunties by jesse q sutanto it's available at booksellers everywhere um so check it out if any of that sounds interesting to you um and before we get to fast and the furious um let's quickly check in with our go asian segment last week was kind of a quiet week for asians on top chef um we're down to our last like like seven chef testants so you know, it's kind of harder to skate by. So we had one on top, one on bottom. But I want to talk about the challenge really quick because it's a recipe challenge where the chefs had to create a dish and also write a recipe for it that's easy to follow. And I feel like that automatically puts Asian chefs at a disadvantage because, as we know, Asians don't use recipes. I just think overall this challenge wasn't the most interesting to watch. And it's also not why we like Top Chef. Like, Top Chef is very aspirational. <laughs> I don't need to watch them cook. I don't want to watch them dumb something down so that like the average home. Also, I don't know what the average home cook is because I like I do some fucking hard ass shit and I'm fine with it. <laughs> like how dumb is the average home cook? I don't know. So I don't know. I didn't think it was like the most interesting. I didn't even think the food looked that interesting or like exciting. And then it's like a different skill. Like who gives a shit if you can't write a recipe? Literally, Tom was like. I can't write recipes. My fucking wife does everything. <laughs> then why are you making them do this? I are you w- going to let your hair hit your wife help them write all the recipes? I wanted to see like Jamie or Shoda be like, okay, the recipe is a thing of salt, a handful of um, flour. Just, just season it. Um, how much salt do you use? Till it tastes good. That's my mom's favorite. She's like, till it tastes good. I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> that would have been realistic, I think. Uh, but Jamie was saved uh, from the bottom because um, Chris, the one who was eliminated, made three bad pastas in a row. So you can't, you can't get Chris had to go. The 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 like, dude, like third time fucking up the pasta sorghum gnocchi. Does that even sound good? No, like Chris, come on. I don't know what's happening in New Hampshire, but it's it's not doing you favors. Like, let's get you out of there. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we're still two for three Asians. Um, Shoda and Jamie are still in the game, and we'll keep monitoring until until there are none. But with that, that'll do it for this week's What's Poppin'. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about Fast and the Fierce 5 through 8.
Dorothy? Kim? Steve? Where have you been? We haven't seen you for seven years. Has, has it been that long? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I was on a fishing boat. Training. It's part of the plan. Pla- what training? What plan? The, 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 the third season of the Korean Drama Podcast! Okay, we're doing this again? Okay, but there's no body switching in this one, right? No! The only thing we're switching is the fact that we're going to watch a good drama this time. From 2020, called Itaewon Class! A story about starting a restaurant and a dish that Koreans love called Revenge. I thought you were going to say kimchi jjigae. I thought you were going to say juke. Those two. Koreans love those two. Listen to the Korean Drama Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. We are here to continue our recap of the second half of the Fast and Furious franchise um, leading up to the release of F9 later this month. So we're going to be talking about all four movies and we're going to be spoiling it because you can't talk about this film without talking about what happens in it. So if you haven't watched these films for some reason and you don't want to be spoiled, um, hit pause um, and then come back when, after you've watched the films and you know listen to our conversation about it. But if you have watched the films or you don't care, um, we're just going to get going. Uh, it's still a good time, even if it's spoiled. <laughs> I will say that. You're not you're not watching for the plot developed necessarily. Yeah. I mean, let's just start off by saying what happened. Like, so Han uh, put on her Slack that <laughs> as she was watching Fast Five and uh, Fast and Furious 6, she realized that she had never watched Five and Six before. <laughs> and I came to the same realization. Like, I've seen yes. these movies. But not intently. I've watched them like it was playing in a bar on the TV or it was like playing in the background. But I've never actually sat down and watched both of these movies. What's wrong with you people? I watch five like on a regular basis weekly. It's well, like one of my well, favorite movies. Five is great, which is why I realized I hadn't seen it. Because I definitely remember watching one two, through three. I assume I watched four. And since that was probably my least favorite, I stopped watching them until seven. Because seven is, of course, when Paul Walker died. So I was like, I made sure yeah. to see that in theaters. So I think I just skipped over five and six, uh, which is a shame because, yes, five is absolutely my favorite. And I think it's the perfect turning point. It has the best of both worlds when it comes to the two major types of Fast and Furious uh, movies. If, if we're talking about the evolution of the franchise. Yeah, I think we can say it's pre five and after five is like the <laughs> the delineation between Fast and Furious movies. Um, but let, let's talk about five. So Fast Five is a 2011 American heist action film directed by Justin Lin and written by Chris Morgan. The story is the the crime crew, the fast crew, is on the run in Brazil after breaking Dom out of prison at the end of the last movie and decide to do a heist. All the while being chased by a DSS agent known as Luke Hobbs, um, played by The Rock. Yes. Five is great because you charge, you you inject a lot of new elements that really work. So you inject The Rock, of course, very vital energy for the franchise going forward. You inject this um, international flavor. I mean, technically four happened in Mexico, but like if you can drive there, it's fun. If you could drive there via a drug tunnel, how international is it? And it's 
definitely turns it up several notches in terms of the stunt work, right? I mean, the safe, the vault through Rio scene is fucking fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I definitely noticed that this movie had a lot more guns and a lot more fighting than any of the other installments. Well, yes, but I also, okay, so the reason why I think I love this one, it is gives me exactly what I want when it comes to heist movies is the team all coming together and they're introducing them by each of their skills. And so they have the little mini montage of, oh, we need oh someone who can, God. we need someone who can talk <laughs> fast. And they're like, I have the guy for you. And so it's like, that's my favorite part of any, fucking so any heist film. Hot. I'm with yes. you. Like the gathering the team shit is by far the best. That is the best scene. And then the, I mean, the with- whole sequence where they're trying to like, that until the sequence where they're trying to figure out like the plot like how they're the plan of how they're gonna actually rob the bank and they're practicing those like hairpin turns are like yeah I mean, the best part all, all of that setup is like what i love it's just like oh so yummy to me and like the heist itself is like i don't care i mean so the heist becomes a brute force raw like we're gonna pull it there's no more heist anymore all that shit they were trying to do they're just like fuck that plans ruined i mean that's part of the heist movie right halfway through they have to like replan everything yes because something something goes wrong wrong. um i do want to say that that heist gathering the team scene was both a like build the team scene and also like a assemble the avengers scene because it brings back every person from like the last four movies except for sean boswell yeah, and what's great about it is this is the first movie I felt like we really got some decent Han stuff. <laughs> but, but, I mean, yes, Tokyo Drift, he was in there, but it was like marred because he died. Uh, so so it was really bringing back like his his happy energy because, of course, in Tokyo Drift, he's like sad. Um, so I, I, it's just seeing him in like various shirts. I was really into it. Yeah. I don't know how to describe, but I was just like, oh, this, it was all, I was all over this film. Yeah. Sun Kang as Han is very good. I'm glad he's coming he's back. So Although cool. I don't know why. He, no, we'll, we'll talk about this later. How, yeah. how he might return in F9. But um, I do have to ask, how fast is this movie? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, they it's do- pretty fast because you got the train sequence where they're mm-hmm. robbing the cars. That's a great sequence. And like, the the best part about Justin Lin is that he does all these with real effects. There's no CGI. So when they're like robbing the train, they're actually like yeah. pulling that train. There's obviously contraptions and safety stuff, but they're literally pulling a train off a, a car off a train onto a ramp and like putting it onto the ground. Right. Um, and the same thing with the vault. I don't know if you guys know this, but they mounted a they mounted a false vault over a moving car so there's a car underneath that vault driving with them that's how they did it <laughs> but all that like destruction was like real like they just fucking like fucked up a set and god i love him so much yeah and um so they were racing but they were racing a train um yes. <laughs> in order to not hit uh, a bridge, a bridge. <laughs> well, and I mean- then <laughs> Well, I mean, they did have one race scene that they skipped. And I was very disappointed that they skipped it, like when they won one of the cars. But then afterwards, they had that police car race scene, which I guess mm-hmm. that counts as like the race scene for this film. Um, I was actually surprised that they upgraded Mia's like utility in the team, right? As opposed to like in the first few films, she was just like the 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 girl that like they want to well, protect. And in this film, she's like driving. She's like taking command and like giving they had, traffic control. They'd killed off Letty. And so we saw that at the end of 
four that she was driving already and part of the team. So I was like, oh, good. Because honestly, just her being at home was like not interesting to me. <laughs> I felt like no. it was a waste. She, they also um, brought them to Brazil and she is actually, the actress is actually half Brazilian. So she got to speak Portuguese um, a few times in this, uh, in this movie, which was great. I also have to say, this is because we have added The Rock. I think this is the time and also really kind of embracing the dynamics of the whole team. I think this is when we start getting like really sassy dialogue. Um, yes, I did notice that like <laughs> the quips started showing up. Like for some reason, I thought the Fast and Furious movies were always known for like the quips, but that didn't really show up until The Rock showed up. Yeah, I yes. mean, he, he uses the word thunderware at one point, uh, <laughs> which mean, now I need to use. <laughs> I mean, his first appearance, is, even in the trilogy, like, Never let them get into cars, which is like the cheesiest line. <laughs> it's so oh, great. Isn't that, no, no, this is the also the movie where he says, where they're like, you want the good news or bad news first? And he's yes. like, give me the broccoli. No, that's like, <laughs> no, you know I like my dessert first. first I wrote, I and wrote then this afterwards, down. like, then give me the broccoli. I was like, wow, but he pulls it off. Yes, there's it, no man, there's no other actor who could say these lines even with the semblance of like and, believability and is, than The Rock. Can. And this is why I think like, Seeing The Rock and like how he like comparing him with Vin Diesel, it's like it's two different arch types where you have like the the wise cracking action hero and then like the brooding like stoic deadpan action hero, right? But here's the thing: like Vin Diesel's legitimately a like good actor outside <laughs> of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like, do we forget he's in like Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> And he is a great voice. He's Groot. And like, you are lying. You say Groot hasn't made you cry at some point. <laughs> oh, uh, Iron Giant. Hello. Iron Giant. Right. He's actually a very good actor outside of the, yes. fast, the fast and Furious franchise. What I also like to n now note is this is the beginning of, uh, well, more bald men. So you got Vin Diesel and then Tyrese. And then now they <laughs> added The Rock. So. Every movie after this, they have to keep on adding bald men or bald, <laughs> bald characters. What do you think their like polish, like head polish budget is? <laughs> well, they have to also like put on some powder so it doesn't shine too much um, and, and glare. So. All right. Speaking of The Rock, I have to ask, how furious was this movie? Pretty furious. I mean, that fight, that like fist fight between Rock, The Rock, and Vin Diesel was like yeah. really cool, awesome. They're they're very mad. I'm sure they were channeling some like real life like drama <laughs> tension. Yeah, I feel like the I think The Rock did not make this movie any faster, but it did make this movie more furious. Oh yeah, and just like the sheer again, we talked about this like the the gun play, the amount of like shootouts that happened, but in like the favelas and between like. <laughs> All the like, like the Brazilian drug lord guy is also like very aggro. He like when he takes that like statue and just like smashes the dude's head in. I'm like, well, there's a lot of aggro. I appreciate this. Yeah, and wasn't this um, the Rock's like return to action movies? Because like before this, he had gone gone like five years making like family films. He was doing yeah, the family like the Tooth Fairy and like <laughs> Adventure I'm not gonna lie, it's a great movie. Or, which mountain was that? The one Escape, Escape Witch Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and he's just trying to do this very like four quadrant kind of a thing, and he eventually kind of gets more back there with the Jumanji. But like he really like Fast and the Furious is when they unlock something. They're like, oh yes, we can be let him be a badass. He's like so just physically magnificent 
to try to like skirt around that seems dumb. <laughs> this this is also the start. Uh, well, not even the start. I guess it started with like Brian and and Dom, but like they're really leaning into the formula of we are adversaries. Oh wait, we're gonna eventually be allies. So I yes. mean, yeah, Fast and the Furious <laughs> is if there's a through line, it's this is a story about enemies to lovers or enemies yes. to friends, right? <laughs> enemies to family. <laughs> I okay, and just more on Han. Like, I like that they built up his. You know, they had to build up his relationship with Giselle, who is Gal Gadot. But what what I liked is they actually like discussed a little bit with him, and they explained his snacking as a um, byproduct of quitting smoking. Um, he also gets a really good tan later, and he wears a pink shirt. That's also a very good moment. Uh, just I, I'm just such a fan of Han in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good stuff. Uh, this Han took notes like Han, pink shirt, uh, tan. Literally, yes. a I, plus. Yes, literally in my notes, I was like, it took takes 41 minutes for the first glimpse of Han. So, yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I I know we've already talked about this, but that getting the team together scene is like my favorite <laughs> scene in the entire franchise. I frequently quote it. <laughs> You guys are my Instagram, like close friend circle, right? You saw my my Coca Cola World shout out, and my particularly this is the line I always say to my boyfriend. It's our call and response, like, and finally we're gonna need two precision drivers, guys who don't crack under pressure. Oh, you know we got those. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm Vin Diesel, obviously, because everyone falls in love with me, and I'm the mastermind behind everything. I forgot that. I've always known this movie as a heist movie, even though I haven't seen it. But I forgot that it doesn't become a heist movie until halfway through the film. <laughs> and I think that's the story of this film, right? Like, this film, the the narrative around when it first came out was like, holy shit, this is way better than it has any right to be. Right? Like, fast forward. Because he already- does so many things well, right? It's like all the different subgenres of action he Justin Lin has pulled off. So he pulled off the car chase scenes. He pulled off the heist thing, which is like this like steroid car chase scene. But still, like the heist elements of like the twist at the end and the team gathering, he pulls that off. He pulls off the like fighting, like hand fighting scene between The Rock and Vin Diesel. He pulls off the gun shootouts in the favelas. Like he pulls off like, <laughs> like those are hard. There are people who can't do one. Yeah, man, this was such a great film. I would wager to say this is probably like if, if Two Fast and Furious is Jess's favorite, Fast Five is probably my favorite oh, of the bunch. I recognize that this is <laughs> the best of the entire series. Let's be that we know of so far. Who knows with nine, ten, eleven? Justin Lin's coming back for those, but yes, it's yeah, it is very, very. Because I have I have thoughts about the direction this franchise took after <laughs> five. Um, that we'll probably get to. <laughs> Are are the thoughts, wow, what a great direction it's gone, and I respect and support every creative decision made. I mean, I do have to say five, I, I agree, is the best of them, but it also sort of sets the uh, foundation for the ridiculousness to come. Because if you can get through that whole train chase um, sort of thing, then you are very well set up as far as the tone and how much you are supposed to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Yes. When they jump into the ravine and they did not hurt, it's like, okay, we're entering a different class of film world I mean, fantasy now. Yeah. I mean, Fast Five is like the combination of like the high speed crime of the first film with like the bullshit gadgets of the second film, right? Like the bullshit like second set, yeah. Conceits of the second film, like put into one. Um, all right, let's move on to Fast and Furious 6. Um, God, 
I forget how confusing the naming convention is for these films. It's like... Yeah. I also think six gets lost in the fray because it is between five, which is just so good and so memorable with so many good set pieces. And then seven, which obviously became a big deal because of Paul Walker's death. Also, just very good set pieces. So six really gets like lost in the fray. Like the like the plot gets muddied. I think people attribute <laughs> what happened to seven to six or six to seven. You know, yeah. like that's where it gets a little murky. Yeah. Well, Fast and Furious 6 is a 2013 American action film directed by Justin Lin and written by Chris Morgan. The Fast crew are offered amnesty for their crimes by um, Luke Hobbs uh, in exchange for helping him take down a skilled mercenary organization led by Owen Shaw, played by Luke Evans, which I've always considered to be like evil Orlando Bloom. Yes, I can yes, see that. Yes, I see it. <laughs> um, Better actor Orlando Bloom? Ooh, I said it. Yeah, that's fine. Um <laughs> And um, they find out that one of the members of Owen Shaw's crew is Toretto's former lover, Letty. Dun, 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 which was dun. teased at the end of Fast Five, right? That she was alive. Yeah. And then we find out what in what capacity she's alive. Yeah. And so this is the film where they go from being a crime crew to being like a special ops, <laughs> ops <crew>. unit. <laughs> All of a sudden... They are elevated to like the most elite special Interpol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, special ops. Like we need to save the world. Yeah, um, it, tasks. It it goes from we're building a crew to heist to like like in expendables where it's like we're, we're we're getting the gang back together for one last job right to be yeah. fair they do mention it they're like this is much bigger than <laughs> what we usually do so you know what. They addressed it. Let's move on. Yeah. Accept it. And I mean, do, yes. And I love the hell that they have a, a, a bizarro version of their team, too. Yeah. Like Luke Evans is um, Luke Evans. Uh, Owen Shaw's crew is basically the like the evil version of the fast crew, which yeah. themselves are already bad guys to begin with. I also think this is the movie where we get a lot more humor injected and we start literally getting just scenes where. They're, They're supposed to be funny yeah. and quippy. Mm-hmm. Um, think about the car se- car buying scene with The Rock and Ludacris. And that's, I honestly think, a, an effect of the Marvel movies coming in. And, you know, Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. Like, Marvel movies are very quippy, right? No matter how serious it gets, it gets a little snarky. Um, so we see some of that coming in, which, again, I always enjoy because... When you have people like The Rock and like Ludacris, like in your and and Tyrese in your cast, like use it, use it. Yeah, and I feel like all the characters start getting more specialized in their like yes. their <laughs> archetypes, right? Like Ludacris all of a sudden becomes a not just a someone who knows gadgets and like computers, but all of a sudden he's like a master hacker. Yeah, it, it's it's all of a sudden like, hey, you're up, and he's like, no, I got it, <laughs> um, and. I think also, I mean, because they had sort of started establishing, you know, Roman. Well, Roman's always been a little funny and quippy, but like really leaning into it now. Um, It's for me, I just felt like they also this is where you got from the from five where they, you know, jump into the ravine with the car and they live. This is where they start going with like the astronomical. chances of some one thing happening and they're gonna get it so like the (laughs) physics and i'm thinking of the ridiculous leap that dom makes from one freeway to another to catch letty 
um, and then land on a car. <laughs> that is literally like thirty four. four that's a fifty percent of this entire franchise, Han. It's people jumping from one car, improbably jumping from one car to another while catching various people being thrown to them. And yes. we can talk about seven later when we yes. get to that point. But this is the beginning of, I think, that <laughs> particular type of a stunt, which I very much enjoyed because I laughed my ass off when well, that we, happened. Yeah, so I got to ask, okay, let's start with our questions. How fast is this movie? Um, they do chase after a plane at one point, so that ha- they have to be very fast. I know this movie. <laughs> I, I know Fast and Furious 6 as, oh, this is the one with the tank, right? Because every every film has like a subsequent giant vehicle that they're chasing or being chased by. This is the one with the tank. Um, I do have to say there is one race in this film, which is a, a race between Letty and Dom. Which, that was um, very sweet. Yeah, it's it's that's it's, romance, it's man. not that's a quarter love. mile race, but it's like a it's a pretty it's a pretty decent like race scene. But lots of chases, lots of freeway jumping, and yeah, like we said, there's a tank that chases them <laughs> and shoots at them. I mean, we get like the little start off like mini race, and you think it's something. Se- I mean, you think it's something like uh, aggro, but the, really they're trying to just get to the birth of Brian's kid in a nunnery. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool. <laughs> Any car chase that ends in a nunnery, sign me up. Yeah. Um, how furious was this film? Well, <laughs> I feel like it was fairly furious. I mean, Han does beat up a dude and then throw him through a plane turbine. Yeah, for good yeah. reason. And we see it. And this film has like... A very even, good reason. Even more guns and even more fighting. Yeah, the the well, yeah, fight I mean, because they had the level. they had the whole subway mano a mano between um, Letty and uh, the well Gina Carano's character, and then we also saw Joe Tess <laughs> take on both oh. Han and and Roman because of course like he can't just have one person against him. Uh, That's very true. Anytime Joe Taslim's on screen, though, it's like it's a good fight. It's always a little funny because. I mean, Joe, I know nothing about like stunt choreography, but even with my like zero dumbass knowledge, I can tell Joe Taslam is just like amazing. Yes. Um, I, having, yeah. I and think, I feel like it's always the funniest part is always when you see guys like Joe Taslam or, you know, Hiroyuki Sonata always gets like the short end of the stick is like they're so badass. And then they have to fight these like obviously mediocre people. <laughs> yes. And then they have to find a way to set it up so they lose. Yes. But I thought this. This way was pretty cool. I mean, his ending was like, ooh, like very, it's, it's kind of cartoony, but in a, in, it's, I liked it. I, I thought that whole sequence was pretty badass. Yeah. I think this is for me when they started bringing in international, um, actors a bit more because like this is more of an international scale. Um, and that's why we are starting to get martial arts. So for me, even though this was like starting on the, very very ridiculous scale of the movies i very much enjoyed it because it's kind of like for me the raid like i kind of don't care about the plot as long as the setup yes. gives me these things these great <laughs> fights these great ridiculous moments um and so this is very similar to me but it's like an it's a martial arts film but with extra action and cars yeah i mean 
this is also the film where people start we start losing people right um two of the crew members die giselle played by gal Gadot, um sacrifices herself to save han and han uh in a rehash of the tokyo drift scene gets blown up by uh by jason oh Statham. are we just gonna be like fuck what, what was his name exactly my point exactly who's that da- guy who dies <laughs> in number five that like oh <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. My point. Exactly. Well, so yes, this is the first time people right. Care five about had start Vince. Dying. Five brought back Vince. Vince dies. From the first Vince, film. That's his name. Well, Vince died. I totally first, forgot. Well, the first movie they had a uh, a buddy who died. Jesse. Jesse. Yes. He's they, like they've been dying a lot. But when we're talking about the heist crew, then yes, this is the when we start seeing them um, get picked off. <laughs> huh. Okay. So. What do you guys think about, like, when you first, so, I guess just because you actually saw this when it was, like, a when it was coming out, not like Han and my, not like Han and me watching this after the fact and realizing, oh, we've never actually seen this movie before. Like, when you first saw this film, what did you think about the direction they were taking this franchise in? I, I watched it out of order, so I'd already known how ridiculous it was going to get, so it was... Like I was not surprised at the ridiculous. It is, it did strike me like how a little like clunk a little clunky that transition because so obvious they were ramping up to it, and you know there were moments where it's just like they call it out in the script, and there are some parts where you're just like okay, like the villain is just so much more re- like the the concept of this like villain and like we have now like MacGuffins about like information. And like intelligence that just like was not, you know, five was very plainly like drug dealer money. Like, yes, we have his money. We want his money. Now we're talking about like, oh, if this terrorist because it's this gets his hands on this and there's like one piece here. Like once we bring in some of the tech, it gets a little clunky, I think. And that will continue through the series. But the tech is the device that lets you do these ridiculous set pieces. The tech is setting up that tech background is what lets you have Charlize Theron hijack a nuclear submarine in A and drive it through the Arctic, you know? So it's for me, it's a small price to pay for kind of the like ridiculous set pieces we get later on. And that is something I very look forward to in every Fast and Furious movie I watch. I'm like, I I know they will and similar to Mission Impossible franchise, like I know the whole point is they're gonna outdo the one that that just came before it. But again, the one before it, they drove a nuclear submarine. Like, that was the big final fight. So what are they going to do now? Which is why I always joke, but don't joke. I was like, Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto needs to, you know, team up with Godzilla and, like, drive up the ramp. uh, You know, drive up his spine and, like, launch off Godzilla's head. He needs to drift in Optimus Prime. He needs to go into space. Um, You know, whatever universal franchise is there, there were some reports that they might cross over the Jurassic World franchise and the Fast and the Furious franchise. I was like, yes, like Dominic Toretto outrunning a fucking T-Rex and his Dodge Charger. You like, know, how is that not going to make $3 billion? Hobbs is going to get in a fist fight with a T-Rex. <laughs> oh my God. And like, what if like Dominic Toretto's driving and then Hobbs is like hanging out the window punching raptors? <laughs> I, 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 I'm pro punching dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, this was the first film where they started their, now we're saving the world. You gotta. Yeah. I mean, like, you you gotta reward these people because 
they have strong family values. <laughs> Just like the mafia. <laughs> and we love the mafia. <laughs> we love the mafia in movies, guys. We you're do, just, actually. You're just making my point. I did feel bad for Elena, who is like the the love interest that developed from the fifth movie that became his girlfriend in this movie, and then she gets like ditched because Letty's back. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of problematic things, but I will say mm-hmm. credit to Chris Morgan, who wrote 567, he does sprinkle in acknowledgments that addresses some of these very mm-hmm. valid questions and concerns we have so you know whether it's like ramping up to a new degree of like international intelligence or there's that whole scene where she's like if my husband were alive mm-hmm. i would definitely take that shot so like she understands and you know whether we degree disagree and obviously this movie all movies need to do better with their female characters i was like you know that's actually like a really smart move from a writing perspective to like ground her and you know again doesn't pass the Bechdel test but you know Letty and Elena have a moment afterwards um, and she acknowledges that it was a very noble thing for her to do Um, so at least they're kind of trying to address it again (laughs) it's all revolved around the myth of the mythos the the pathos, the ethos, the the aura of Dominic Toretto, and mm-hmm. that's maybe the least weirdest thing, most suspended fantasy thing we have to do in this franchise. <laughs> but I, I mean, I would, I would give it all up for Dominic Toretto. I'd leave it all. I'd risk it all. Yeah. He looks at you. You're like, yeah, I won't be that family. All right. Moving on to Furious <laughs> Seven, the seventh movie of the franchise. A 2015 American oh, I don't know if you need movie. to license this, Marvin, but can you start like... Just layer that music. like oh. Start playing it. It's been a long time <laughs> without you. I'm just crying already. Yeah, we, we have to t- mention that this was the last film of Paul Walker's career. And he didn't, he didn't finish it, right? They had like CGI's face onto his brother at the end. Yes. They use some body doubles. They use some really good CGI. They, yeah. I think they're really smart. They think they use like old footage or like shot footage and like rewrote a little bit. They took a break in film production to like figure it out. I think they did a pretty great job. James Wan directed this one. So the first non-Justin Lin film in yeah. a while. Um, yeah, directed um, by James Wan, written by Chris Morgan. Um, the story is a Deckard Shaw played by bald British bad guy, Jason Satham. A rogue special forces assassin hunts down the fast crew to avenge his comatose younger brother, um, Owen Shaw, who was the bad guy in the last movie. And so in order to um, evade Deckard Shaw, <laughs> they agree to work for a shady non-governmental organization to go steal another piece of very dangerous technology from a warlord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is when we are introduced to Kurt Russell. Um, yeah, was- this is when the film goes from a international like Asians movie to like just a full on superhero movie, right? Yeah, uh, Kurt Russell is basically he's called Mister Nobody because he is a shadow. He doesn't work along with the government yet. He has a lot of power, so uh, he will deny everything, but will also give you everything. Um, and so he he's asking for the team's help because now they are the go to team to solve basically anything. Um, to get this piece of uh, technology slash software, I guess, that was made by uh, Misande, um, Ramsey, 
uh, is her character's name here um, and uh, played by Natalie Emmanuel. And uh, this is called The God's Eye and it's able to track anyone in the world based on like any sort of image you can get from a camera or a phone or anything. So you cannot hide. Um, And in exchange for this, for getting them uh, Ramsey because she's being held hostage um, or actually a prisoner, then they are allowed to use the God's eye to find Deckard Shaw, which they have, they they have an incentive to get to him because he's killed Han. And at this point, you know, also (laughs) endangered uh, Mia and their baby. What? So yeah, this film, the story is almost nonsensical (laughs) at times. because. No, this is really when it starts being like, fuck the plot. We don't care. The setup is just there for our loose things. Yes. It's This is when we start getting to what are the three major set? What is the major set piece in, in each act? And what is the grounded family moment that uh, is going to make it that's going to like ground it enough to make us care about the people who are doing the actions. And that is why this movie was really, I think well received and I think well done. I like this movie a lot yeah, because it has three of the most amazing set pieces. Let's be real of the entire franchise. You have a parachuting cars and then the, like that's the first, that's the first one, the parachuting cars. And then that really iconic scene where Paul Walker is running as vertically as the bus is falling off the cliff and he's jumping out and then letty swings around and like grabs him you have the fucking we're gonna drive through the like burj khalifa buildings (laughs) in in the in dubai like and 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 like this is also where you get a little james bond because you get they found a way to get these this fucking crew in like formal wear and then they fucking fight and drive a car through two buildings. That's genius. <laughs> and then, of course, the last, um, we're bringing it back to L.A., the hot potato, Ramsey hot potato uh, that descends into, like, freeway rubble, like the rock pulling out a grenade launcher, like helicopter jumping. Like, it's great. Three of the best set pieces in this whole franchise. Yeah. yeah. But and wasn't I, fast. Uh, oh, yes. yeah. Very fast because yeah. they first had to chase down the truck that had Ramsey in it. And um, I mean, also, if you are parachuting your car, you have to maintain speed in order to land your car um, <laughs> correctly. Yes. And again, respect to this franchise, they legitimately parachuted a bunch of cars out of a plane and shot that. Yes. Um, Also, if you are going to get one car from one skyscraper to another, you do have to get speed. You have to be very fast. If you are going to launch your car and to to hit a helicopter, you also have to be very fast, Marvin. Yeah, (laughs) I do. I do have to say because if this sounds like five movies in one, it is. And and in fact, (laughs) when I was rewatching this. I realized I only remembered at the point of the parachute cars. I didn't remember any of that stuff ahead, like before. Well, yeah. I that is the first act. That is like within the 10 minutes of first 10 minutes of the film. Huh? No, it's like no, that's 20 the middle. or 30 minutes. That's like, after the Mr. Nobody part. The, it's, the first, it's all, yeah. All of, yeah, all of the Deckard Shaw, all of the, the blowing up of the, the baby and Mia. It's like, and yeah, It's the same thing that happened with the fifth film, right? The first like half hour is a hunter prey like chase movie right 
there's this murderer coming to kill all the family and they have to like trying to get a, stay ahead of them. And then like a third of the way through, it becomes, oh, now we're working for a non-governmental agency and we're going to like parachute behind enemy lines to go steal this piece of technology. It becomes a video game plot. It's like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I mean, it was good, but that's why I was just like, well, I don't remember any of this other stuff <laughs> right before it. Because I was like, Where's, when is Kurt yep, Russell in there? Because <laughs> the set pieces are fantastic. Yeah. And there's like, you know, the Ronda Rousey fight. Yeah. yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, Ronda I Rousey mean, so fight. It's just so good. How furious was this? Was How furious was this one? <laughs> Super furious, I think. Um, the If we're talking about the amount of fights, first of all, b- before we even get to ronda rousey and um michelle rodriguez we have tony jaw and i when we're talking about joe taslim and trying to figure out how to extend fights to make it so it doesn't seem that unfair (laughs) to the person fighting the the martial artist but then also to eventually defeat this person because they are the bad guy oh my god i i i was very glad that they showed him at least three times um because the (laughs) first time i was like that can't be the end of him um, and I was, and it's just, it's such a joy to watch him like fight. No, nah, man, you gotta pay Tony Jaa. You gotta fly him out from yes. like Thailand yeah. or whatever. I mean, you got, you need, you are using him as much as you can. Yes, yes. And I'm sure, like, I like, I knew that they wouldn't, but at the same time, I was like, how are they gonna do this, man? Because there's no way that, sorry, undercover cop Brian O'Connor can remotely like go <laughs> mano a mano with him. So yeah, I was very furious. Maybe fighting. Fast and Furious one Brian Connor. But Byron Connor from Furious Seven is a superhero. Ish. Because <laughs> the thing is, it, I noticed every single fight where he defeated him, it wasn't because of actual fighting skills. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. <laughs> like the first time it was like the truck got hit and like they were going off a cliff or something. So it was just who's faster and and Tony Jaw is faster. So he escaped the truck first. Made sense to me. <laughs> and then... I- eventually yes yes yes. there's no world no matter what that brian o'connor is like winning a fist fight with any of these dudes but you know the movie kind of addresses that and always like gets them out of commission one way or another yeah it they made i was okay with the way they made sense and got tony jaw out of the way so and then um i mean this is also the real introduction of jason statham and you know he is the he, he he's a fighter also but he's also parkour ish you know, so which we He's will see also the later on. Jerk that murdered Han. So I don't really care about that Kachal, really. Oh no. Well, I mean Well, you... I guess we find out later that Han's not really dead. So yeah. it's okay. I also, guess. this is the MO is they are opposed right now, but you know, at his core, <laughs> he did it out of love for his brother. Also, if you've never seen the Hobbs and Shaw background, the the spin-off movie, there's like a much deeper backstory. He is basically a special ops agent that was wronged so he actually is like a good guy that just ended up on the wrong side of the track because of circumstances outside of his control they mentioned that yeah yeah they mentioned that in this film but and i will watch also blew up han yes marvin marvin (laughs) doesn't forget he doesn't forgive and he doesn't forget so you watch out shaw what did you think about that reveal though that like he was actually bombed to death instead of like exploded in a car crash because i remember that being like a holy shit moment for they're a lot of obviously people. gonna wreck on everything because <laughs> on is alive okay uh what i did not know this in 
watching number eight because that information was not out. F9 was not out. <laughs> so I had definitely had feelings while watching F8, Fate of the Furious. But, you know, now I'm like, but yeah, Fate of the Furious. I, I watched it by myself and I'm sitting there. I was like, how dare you break bread? How dare you break <laughs> bread with the man who killed your brother? Yeah. What happened to family? But I guess, you know, saving the baby kind of like evens shit out. I yeah. mean, I guess we should move on to, well, before we move on to Fate of the Furious, we do have to talk about the yes tribute to Paul Walker at yes. the end of this film. Okay, let's be real. That That's really why this movie is great. Um, fucking, they stuck the landing. Like mm-hmm. that that send-off to Paul Walker, the way they handled it, everything from that very first beach scene to, you know, that last drive, uh, the little flashback montage, the music, um, just that overhead shot of the car splitting and Brian going back to the beach is, and then, you know, panning up i mean like i'm crying thinking about it just mm-hmm. panning up to the sky saying for paul like they fucking nailed it like yeah i have no to, yeah i have yeah. to give him all the credit there because uh, you know yes i came back to this franchise because of this and i thought they did an amazing job with it i was just like i'm verklempt in this theater after such ridiculousness that i saw but then they really brought it back with that final scene uh, one last you know word with his brother <laughs> before they drive off into the sunset and and the mon the monologue that dom gives over that last scene is that perfect amount of like sincerity but that like cheesy dialogue that we want from <laughs> that like kind of you know, that can't be dialogue we want from a Fast and the Furious movie. And they bring it back to the first movie, which was very, you know, grounded Paul Walker. God, remember um, that movie. Just <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's also just like, you know, I know they were very, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel were very good friends in real life. Yeah. Vin Diesel mm-hmm. named his kid after Paul Walker. And I think like Paul Walker, yeah. And I think Vin Diesel was like Paul Walker's kid's like godfather or something. They're very close. And so you can tell, like, you know, the, the, the sincerity of the bond, I think it comes on screen, just like how you can tell, like, the animosity of his relationship with The Rock comes on screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's, yeah, it, there's, there's kind of no reason, logical reason why that it should all work. Yeah. There's no reason why saying the lines like, you used to live your life a quarter mile a time. <laughs> uh, you know, I l- used to live my life a quarter mile a time, and you did too, and that's what made us brothers. Like, there's no <laughs> rational reason why that should work and elicit genuine, sincere emotions, and yet it does, and that's fucking amazing. God, do we love the movies. <laughs> yeah, And, moment. you know, credit to Vin Diesel, we rag, you know, I think we rag on him in good nature, good nature throughout this whole Fast and Furious scene. But like he he pulled it off. All right. So our last film of this rewatch is The Fate of the Furious, which I feel like they just gave up at this point <laughs> of naming it in any conceivable way. That's a way. great title. What, what else would you call it? Wait, why do you see, say that they were like giving up because they worked in the letter eight? In fate. F9 is when they gave up. F9 <laughs> is like the laziest title of them all, okay? And if F10 isn't Fast 10 Your Seatbelts, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> I mean, I was already mad they didn't do Fast and Furious, so whatever. <sighs> <sighs> Missed opportunities. But yeah, this I mean, one actually worked four, in eight. Part four was Fast and Furious, which was like just That's the first worse. title without the thes. No, 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 no. 
makes sense because now they're rebranding the franchise. They but did, but then <laughs> then they should have done not. Then it wouldn't have been Fast Five. That should have been two point Anyway, All right. anyway, but they spelled furious like with the five instead of an S. I think. <laughs> The Fate of the Furious is a 2017 American action thriller film directed by F. Gary Gray and written by Chris Morgan. Um, Dominic Toretto has settled down with his wife, Letty Ortiz, until cyber terrorist Cypher, played by Charlie Theron, um, coerces him into working for her and turns him against his team, uh, forcing them to find Dom and take down Cypher. If Furious 7 was a superhero film, this is like the logical conclusion of that superhero franchise like this is a film where the rock literally takes rubber bullets like no sells them and like throws dudes across the room man (laughs) all right how fast was this movie well there is a race at the very beginning Uh, a car catches fire um it it was a very nice and fun race there are also uh motorcycles but you know there are also lots of other chases um and even without cars, I think uh, the prison break scene with um, Deckard Shaw is actually pretty fast. Um, there's a lot of parkour in there <laughs> that I very much enjoyed. Uh, yeah, and then the big set piece of that of the hacking all the parked cars and just driving them off of a parking structure, um, and the car chase around that. Um, but really, I think. This is a movie where we get a little more of the conceptual stuff and less about the racing stuff. We get some, like, I mean, okay, I think the most ridiculous part of this movie is that Oscar winner Charlize Theron is playing the dreadlocked (laughs) villain named Cypher, who is a hacker and is now using Dominic Toretto is holding Dominic Toretto's son hostage so Dominic will turn on his family and do her bidding to get some MacGuffin or another. I can't even remember, honestly, what like she's after. She's after which... both MacGuffins of the last two films. She's after both MacGuffins. Yeah. Um, and at least we forget, Helen Mirren makes an appearance. <laughs> also, Oscar winner Helen Mirren makes an appearance in this as the mother of the Shaws. And the twist that... Jason Statham's character is broken out so he can go rescue the baby. Mm-hmm. And there is a pretty fun airplane shootout with Jason Statham and the baby. The baby doesn't shoot anyone, unfortunately, but I'm sure that's like in Fast 25. I mean, yeah. not even 25. I think 11. <laughs> like very soon. <laughs> I mean, this one doesn't he's, have a Asian martial artist henchman cameo, but it does have Jorman, Giant Spain. As the head yeah. henchman. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Christopher uh, Hiju. I don't even know how to. Dis- yeah. But Tormund um, is in there, which is nice. The other Asian that we do see, he is a just a computer hacker also. So there is no martial arts there, which was disappointing. Um, I I do have to say, I very much liked the zombie car Mageddon thing. Like that was just so much destruction that yeah. it was just fun to watch. I mean, when I talk about how this is like a superhero film, this is like a DC superhero film. If Fury 7 was a Marvel superhero film, this was a DC one where it's like just mass destruction across the entire city. It's like Armageddon everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and the, I mean, the ridiculousness of the ending taking place in the Arctic Circle <laughs> and they have to drive across the tundra as like ice is breaking up and like 
honestly the most hilarious part was like when they did the hero shot about the cars and it just looks like a car commercial like they're <laughs> shooting a tundra commercial um you know that was more ridiculous than the submarine itself um yeah i i i do think i miss some of the like kind of i think fighting i think mm-hmm. i do like the martial arts mm-hmm. pieces of some of the previous films a little more and this is just it's getting very I don't know if Charlize Theron is the most interesting villain, which is ridiculous because it's Charlize Theron and I know she can eat things. She's also a fantastic action star. Mm-hmm. I think she's like either very poorly, the character's either very poorly written, which is hilarious that I'm saying this in the Fast and Furious <laughs> analysis, or they're just like not utilizing her correctly. Like I, I mean- think she needed to be a different kind of villain. Like we've seen like the tech stuff already. Like Yeah, I mean her monologues are very... They're not. They're not utilizing her. It's like yeah. she's a fantastic actress, and I, I think it's. I think it's in the writing. We'll see what F nine brings because she I mean, is the, the back, concept but... that she's bringing through, like the, the themes of like her argument, are very like are things that I thought about. Like rewatching the series and seeing that first film where he talks about he doesn't care about family. All he cares about is that ten seconds to run that quarter mile mm-hmm. where nothing else matters. Like that gets brought back in this film as like that's what you really are, right? And that's like that's Dominic's um character arc here is like deciding which dominator is he? Like the the one that says family all the time, or the one that loves to race and be free. You know, maybe this is what it is. Is they're not because of that sort of ridiculous this is uh dialogue that kind of just shows me. I think the problem with Charlize Theron is she is a great actress and they and she does as much as she can with this role but they are not giving her the right campiness that is required yes. for this you know she's in a different movie yeah they should have which is given her yeah. way crazier lines which is she's wild yes. because Fast and Furious the average Fast and Furious movie is like five different movies yeah well so like the last set of villains we've had like we've had the shahs or like even the rock is set up as the adversary and they do all have a level of camp and she just is so like she's like unironically sinister yeah um you know i mean honestly she also like kidnapped a baby like that's she threatened to kill a baby that's pretty intense um even for someone who doesn't like kids i understand that's not cool (laughs) we're violating a lot of social norm taboos here I mean, she does ice the mo- fridge the mom pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah they IP bring back Elena. Elena, which like I was glad that they didn't like totally um, erase that thread, but to bring her back just to be like the motivation yeah. for Dom and her being like, I haven't named him. How old is this baby supposed to be? I haven't <laughs> named him because I want you to name him. I'm like, oh, bitch, just name the kid. Like, what are what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, they they asked that sets him up to name him Brian. After yeah. my best friend, my brother. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, art imitates life there. Um, <sighs> but yeah, I mean, fridging her, I was just like, it's, it was kind of a gross moment. Like, seriously, people? Yeah. Um, okay, so how furious was this one? It's pretty furious. It's like, everyone's mad at each other. They're mad at Dom. They don't know what's happening. Um, he's real mad at least there and for kidnapping his baby. Uh <laughs> Yeah, he's even I was really her. mad in the theater when they forgave the yeah, Shaw dude. That's where my theory came from is when why are you why are you inviting Deckard Shaw to your barbecue? This man murdered your brother Han. It is weird. Like, I mean, I understand because it's Fast and the Furious that I just accepted it, but at the same time, like I don't understand why he's at the barbecue. I get I mean, like, yeah, he saved your son, <laughs> but still. 
Like it's like thanks it for my. They're definitely so- gonna retcon it to be like, oh, Vin knew, like Dominic Toretto knew that like Han wasn't dead, obviously, and therefore I just, was yeah. okay with. How is that going? I mean, I'm sure there's it'll be some like ridiculous like bullshit answer, but like, are they gonna like, are they just gonna palpatine this? It's like, oh no, just kidding, Han is alive. I, I mean, I will give the Fast and the franchise credit more credit than the Star Wars franchise. Like, they actually kind of seem like they know have a plan more than the Star Wars. I think folks he's. Do. Um, I think he's a cyborg. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, sexy robot mm-hmm. man. I do love that. Um, the Rock in this film has become full on just caricature. Like he's not even trying to be like a government agent man he's just like he's just yeah, he's just there of, for one-liners first he's a dad and soccer dad he's a soccer dad yeah he teaches his kids the haka <laughs> yes which is like kind of problematic because yes. the rock is not of maori heritage <laughs> and that is a distinctly maori cultural practice there okay just get that out <laughs> of the way it, yeah. where you know we gotta call that out it was an interesting moment to see a, a a bunch of white girls doing it also um besides his daughter uh in the movie and then later he becomes this um uh, jailhouse like badass <laughs> that with the rubber bullets and everything. I was just like, there's a moment where he, he becomes also, Captain America. Like yeah. in that moment, he's just Captain America. My favorite part is when he is on the upper level and he he's uh slides across the floor onto the next level, but then he ricochets off of a um a wall in order to and then like does a flip or whatever and lands. So that was a really good like action moment um, <laughs> for whoever the stunt person was that did it. What did you think of Mr. Nobody's protege? Like the okay, whitest man. The in most the useless <laughs> addition, Scott Eastwood, who is the blandest, like it's an insult to Wonder Bread to compare him to Wonder Bread. Like he adds absolutely nothing to the franchise. I think like some exec was just like oh, we lost Paul Walker. We need to add some like white dude people can relate to. Because if you look at this, the Fast and the Furious franchise is led by all people of color. Yeah, this this casting made no sense to me. Um, while I like him, you know, okay, because he is, uh, he opposes his father's politics. Um, I just think that it's such a waste we could have had someone really cool in that role. Yeah, he adds nothing to the group dynamic. Absolutely nothing. Like, yeah, I don't. He's yep, not even that charming. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's a fine person, sure. or whatever. But like, with, just within this movie, he's not adding anything to the ensemble. If you cut him out, it changes the movie. None whatsoever. Well, like anyone, anyone could have done this role and like added something to it. That's why I'm just thinking it's such a waste. Like, if you really wanted to have someone be the protege but then also like maybe but uh <laughs> butt heads with um with roman then yeah it could have been anyone it could have been a woman hello uh so yeah i was kind of upset just like <laughs> <laughs> but i did like that he was written as like a clueless white dude and i mean that kind of made me feel like it was intentional <sighs> but granted that role could have been given to someone way more interesting probably yeah i'm also like i am surrounded by clueless white dudes just yeah. like everywhere i don't need to watch one in my beautiful fast and the furious franchise also, like yeah can we not also cluelessness is not a trait you know <laughs> that just like y- that really is his defining trait there and i just ugh, i couldn't deal with it like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not even like you need a proxy sta- audience stand-in. No. Like we have been with this crew for eight movies. We do not need yeah 
explanation. Yeah, I, I get that you you're basically filling your movie with people you like. So someone, you know, there likes him. But this is also like, I bet you they like other people who would have been better in that role. Because same same with like Tormund Giants Bane. Like, clearly that role could have gone to anyone, but he is a very beloved actor, character, actor. Um, and I liked him in this role. He wasn't very special in this role, I have to say. He played it straight. But yeah. he has a unique look. And I honestly, I was just like, hey, he didn't game even of- fist fight. He was just like, he was a yeah. shooting man. Like, but, he was a you shooter. Know, I still enjoyed him. I'm, I'm glad he's getting work. I love how the Fast and Furious franchise seem, it feels like they, they do their stunt casting based on just like who's hot at the moment, right? Like, I mean, during Fast, like Furious 7 and, and Fate of the Furious, it was like, Game, Game of, of Thrones is great. Who can we get from Game of Thrones and and throw them into this franchise? And I mean, I'm very happy they got Nelly Emanuel because she's <laughs> she's. I mean, I I think that if you are gonna add to the heist crew, she's great. I just think that it still feels weird that she's not driving yet. <laughs> like she's in the passenger seat, and I get that she is the uh, hacker person. But you know what? Every Mia got to drive, so <laughs> I would like to see an F nine. Uh, Ramsey driving. That's my wish. Besides, of course, Justice for Han. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of F9, I guess, do we want to make any predictions on what F9 will feature? I mean, F9's villain is John Cena, who's like the big, like, kind of stunt casting for this film. Mm-hmm. Charlie Theron returns with a vendetta against. I mean, um, John Cena's playing Dominic Turtle's brother. Yeah. And <laughs> like, here, here's, here's something different that we didn't know about till today. Yeah. Like, oh, Dom well, and Mia have a brother. Well, also John John Cena not bald, so they're changing it up here. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And we can't forget that um, in between F nine and Fate, um, there was Hobbs and Shaw, mm-hmm. where the bad guy was Idris Elba in a superhero costume. Yeah, who was who was a cyborg? Yeah, he, there was like some government experimentation. I'm just trying to make sure I'm not like confusing this with like a Mission Impossible right. movie, but I'm pretty sure because Mission Impossible also like borrowed some stuff from Fast and Furious, like in terms of the car chase. So like a lot of the action movies are being very hybrid now, which I find fun because I like a little grab bag of everything. But I think in Hobbs and Shaw, yeah, he's like a another ex operative who was also wrong in the way that De- um is it is Deckard Shaw Deckard Shaw his name yes. Yeah, but then he like got experimented on, and he's like part cyborg, and like they like upgrade. So, so just, movie. just watch it for the watch it for the fight scenes. It's oh fun. yeah, I, I'm that's gonna be my uh, appetizer before F nine. Um, I mean, at this point, what exactly is a Fast and Furious movie? Well, because uh, okay. it's it's changed. It's yeah, you're unrecognizable right. from like the first the Fast and the Furious at this yeah. point. Well, you're right that street racing or racing doesn't technically always happen in a in an actual race however i do think it is very important that very fast cars and hot cars have to be figure into a very big set piece and i think as long as they do that in ridiculous ways i'm very satisfied yes in in the technical like point yes that is 100 percent true it is around how crazy how much can we push what stunt cars can do and what we can do with cars and the the story narrative line is are we grounded in this idea of family and this group of chosen family regardless of how big the mission gets um you know the stake is always going to be family and is this family going to stay together 
Also, that's all you need for a good Fast and Furious movie. Also, enemies to friends or enemies to lovers <laughs> storylines. Those are that's like the sub, you know, romance <laughs> category. Um, I, I mean, I mean, we didn't. There's so much we didn't even get to talk about, like the flashback to Dom and Letty's wedding in number seven, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, you know, pin that onto my board. Uh, send that to my boyfriend's. Like, that's what you're wearing to our wedding. <laughs> just, just you know, this idea of like. Just like we want to talk about, like the, the iconic outfits. Just doesn't matter what temperature. They're just get, Dominic Toretto's just gonna be in like a white tank top and like that cross necklace, which became a very big plot device in number eight because it's a tracking device. All right. So for F nine, I want to ask how BS will be the reason why Han is alive. I mean, on a oh, on a scale, fairly yeah. on a scale <laughs> yeah. of what? Like, you mean on a scale of uh, let's see, pulling a a bank vault behind you to jumping a a car from one skyscraper to the next? Um, I think in between there, it won't won't be that crazy. I mean, I don't care because it yeah. means we just get Honda. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that hard. Like, it'll just be like, yes, clearly, you know. Maybe the just kind of like with Letty, the the explosion somehow ejected him somewhere. But they, yeah. you know, and and they're all fireproof. They're all fireproof. Yeah. Okay, because remember, like at the end of six, when like the plane's on fire, the explosion, and then like Dominic Turtle just walks out. Like he's not even running out. Yeah, you would think like if something's on fire, like oh, I gotta jog a little bit to get out of the flames or not inhale smoke. He's just like casually strolling out, like. And and they already did the amnesia, so he doesn't have am- amnesia. But I do think physically he had to get over some stuff. So I think yes, there's going to be some cyborg stuff, but then also there was recovery that had to happen. You think they're gonna? You think they're gonna pull another like I had amnesia card and that's why I wasn't around? No, no, I don't think they will. I think that there's recovery, and then there was a deep undercover mission where they're like you know what I know you're like recovered now and you have your cyborg arm, but we need to like train you up or do something because if you if it's revealed right away that you're alive <laughs> then we're gonna lose the element of surprise or whatever or he's just a ghost he could just be a ghost Ooh, very sexy ghost with a haircut sexy ghost <laughs> i mean yeah. why would he get a haircut if he's a ghost because wouldn't I mean, you have the same long hair i mean there's probably a ghost barber out there right ghosts probably uh project yeah, there's like a whole, whole ghost economy you know <laughs> i reject right. the ghost well haircut. we're excited to watch f9 we'll probably talk about watching f9 um later on this month um because man can you believe it's actually coming out uh, we've been waiting like a whole year for this movie i literally have been waiting forever because i was like this is the first one i'm gonna see in a theater <laughs> i am not gonna like bang on it until physically in the seat mm-hmm. and like the first car race starts i'm like yeah. it's not gonna happen yeah till it actually happens <laughs> yeah. all right well with that that is our recap of the entire fast and furious franchise i can't believe we watched all eight movies in the span of like three weeks good job i can't us. believe i watched three of these movies today <laughs> and you are on you you have that privilege and you are honored marvin with that <laughs> Say say grace, Marvin. Say grace. Uh, well, let us know what you think about the Fast and Furious franchise and what you're excited for. For F9, you can engage with us on Twitter at Good Pop Club. Uh, Jess Han, where can people find your thoughts on the internet? I'm on Twitter at Jess Jude Tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. And you can find me at Marvin. Yeah. Um, the Good Pop Culture Club is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. 
Um, you can check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. We hope you're all having a fantastic month of June. And we'll see you all next time. Uh, Jesson, thank you so much for making me watch The Fast and the Furious. It was actually pretty fun. Hey, Marvin. Marvin, I used to live my life a quarter <laughs> mile at a time. And you did too. And that's why we were brothers. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 